Hi. Hello. I'm Evan. I'm Addie. And you are listening to the Speaking English Podcast, the place to be for anyone who wants to watch more movies or read more books, but doesn't know where to start. This is episode 137, as well as book club number 20. A, Ooh, a big wow. milestone here. Yeah, good for us. 20 With books. 20 books we have read for this podcast. That's awesome. Uh, this time around, we read Fool on the Hill, a novel by Matt Ruff. So joining us, as always, for our book club episodes, our third member of the book club, Aubrey. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back. It's been a bit. We took it a long time a to read this I was this just book. thinking about that. But I am excited to be back and happy to do book club, as always. <laughs> yeah. It was a pretty long book. Yeah, it was. As, uh, as uh, we'll get into in a little bit. <laughs> um, I think it's our longest book club ever. Longest book club pick. Read. Really? There's a page count. I Maybe. can't think of anything longer. Than Master and Margarita and Kafka were both fairly long. But I don't, well, I guess we have two different copies, but my copy of Full on the Hill is 500 pages. Oh, mine is 430 is all. Okay. So. Mine's 493. Hmm. How do we all have it, it looked like you guys had the same version. I think That's I might have rounded up to 500 from oh, 493. Okay. I got to say, I got the original first edition. Actually, oh, I'll, I'll get into that more Whatever. when I introduce it. Let's, uh, let's, okay. let's uh, hear about our weeks first. Okay. Um, Aubrey, how was your week? <laughs> I'll start Three with week question I feel like I never start with you, but I feel special. I get to start. Okay. It's book club 20. Things are changing. Ooh, things are changing. Are we going to get changes around here? My week was questionable as always. I'm on break now, so I'm kind of, uh, living it up by doing nothing, but, um, I started rereading my abstract algebra textbook and it's, it's, there's so many theorems. I'm through, I have to get up to chapter 26. I'm on like chapter 10 right now and I already have like 40 plus theorems and I don't know how I'm going to remember all of this in time for the final, which is two weeks from the end of this week's then. Yeah. Yes. So, um, I don't know. I might be facing my doom. Okay, listen, abstract algebra. Listen, I say abstract algebra and people make fun of me because they're like, oh, I took like linear algebra in high school, which isn't even really linear algebra. Like what they teach you linear algebra in high school, that is not linear algebra. That's like basic algebra. My dad teaches algebra in high school. You better watch what you say. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I apologize in advance, Mr. English. I'm about to, I'm about to ruin it linear algebra all right <laughs> linear algebra was so difficult okay it was like 33 10 i hated every second of it abstract algebra is just whack i am counting things and doing things with polynomials that i didn't even know were possible and then my professor's always just like yeah and it's just so simple and intuitive and i'm like sebastian it is not but <laughs> that's that um aside from that yeah i haven't really done anything else yeah, that sounds very time-consuming. And very abstract. Yeah. Okay, and, 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 and <laughs> mocked here. I'm being mocked. 
No, you need to tell us how her week was. <laughs> We're done. We're done. I'm impressed. I really don't think that I could bring myself to study abstract algebra over Thanksgiving break, no matter how hard I tried. Like that, good for you and good, good luck. That is tough. Uh, my break has been chill because <laughs> I've been <laughs> ignoring all my responsibilities. I submitted basically like my my most final version of my thesis proposal like two days before break. And then I was like, I'm going on an actual break. So I haven't like checked my email really since then. <laughs> Literally <laughs> I went down <laughs> with that. <laughs> um, but I'm not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about school. So I've had a really relaxing last couple of days. And tomorrow I'm going up to Breckenridge to spend the holiday with my family. So I'm really excited about that. Nice. Congratulations. Thanks. I have to actually like propose it officially after break, but the hardest part is done. Well, it seems like yeah, yeah. I'm like over the hill for sure. From what I've observed over these past couple of weeks, it seems <laughs> that the hardest part is is done. Yes, <laughs> one can only hope. Unless I open this email with like edits, and it's like <laughs> no, <right> over. <laughs> it says rewrite time. <laughs> yeah. Try again. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Um, well, that's awesome. Have a wonderful uh, time in Breckenridge. I went there uh, to up to Breckenridge earlier this year. Thanks. And yeah, I decided that I seventy is the bane of my existence. I will. Really? I never want to drive on I seventy again in my life. I don't mind it at all. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I don't like that corridor from like the Springs up to like just before Denver on I twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's like a death grip even when the weather's good and then when the yes. weather's bad it's just like everybody's going like 75 on the highway and i'm like what if we hit black ice and i spit out and i take you all with me <laughs> like what that someone who like very consistently drives from fort collins to the springs on the 25 <laughs> I have horrible road rage. I have no patience, no regard for human life. <laughs> 25. <laughs> I'm nice. flying. I think that road is kind of nice. I don't mind driving there, but for some reason, I-70, just the way that it's like downhill and then uphill and like there's tunnels and stuff. I don't know. Just the only, I, when I went to Breckenridge, I think that was the first time that, that I really drove on it. Yeah. And it phased me. I like I like the variety. actually I bought this book at Breckenridge. This my trip wow. on I seventy two Breckenridge is the reason that we read this book for book club. Wow, what a coincidence! Um, but I really love Breckenridge. But I doubt I will go back soon if I have to drive because <laughs> something about that just just really made the experience like put a sour note on what was otherwise a really fun trip and time. So. <laughs> I love Breckenridge and I don't want to drive at all. And I can't wait for tomorrow. I do really like Breckenridge for a non-skier. It's it's my favorite ski town that I don't ski at, you know. Nice. Yeah. That I visited. Not ski. Have I found another one? Yeah. Daddy, do you ski? ski? I ski, yeah. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I get a lot of uh, ship it. for it, but yeah, I don't. <laughs> Same. <laughs> My week has been a crazy eventful, the most I've done in a week for for a while. I submitted my JET application, first of all, which was... Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It was a fun time. And I finished, I did like my final test for my 
TEFL class I was taking. So things are wrapping up. It feels like a chapter is kind of wrapping up. And, and I really just need to find a job now. Um, <laughs> but I'm in Texas right now for Thanksgiving. But the original onus of, of going here was, was based on going to a Texas A&M football game, which happened on this Saturday. And nice. it was a wild time. So Friday night, we drive up, you know, 15, 16 hours to get here. And uh, we make it to College Station. And, and my cousin wants to show us around because she went to. So I have one cousin that that was there that used to go to Texas A&M. She graduated like seven years ago. And I have another cousin on the other side of the family that is currently a Texas A&M Aggie. Mm-hmm. And we tore up the town. It was awesome. We went all around kind of the bar scene there. And then we got up at eight in the morning to go to the football game to, to tailgate. And uh, it was so cold and so rainy. It was <laughs> absolutely awful. But no, I'm not, not absolutely awful. It was the weather was uh, very awful, but the time was so fun. It was such a good family bonding experience. Um because in addition to us attending the game, uh, a second cousin from another side of my dad's family, I don't know, someone that didn't know, but that, that I didn't know, but is around my age, also came down from the game from uh, Michigan. They live in Michigan. He goes to Michigan State. And so it was just a fun, like, cousin's trip of, like, hanging out with family that I didn't really – maybe I'm not, like, super close with, but it was just, like, a, such a fun and cool bonding experience. That was so neat. Good. Um, That's awesome. And really exciting. Yeah. I had a blast. People who go to Texas A&M are weird. <laughs> weird how? Are they Are they so... I mean, you went to CU Boulder. You got to be used to some level of weird. Like, it's, we're freaky up here. It's different. It's very different. <laughs> and I don't quite know how to explain it. I feel like you just have to experience it. <laughs> they just have all sorts of weird traditions is more of the thing. Oh. Like, uh, before every football game, they have a midnight yell practice. Yeah. What? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so basically, so- instead of having cheerleaders, they have yell leaders who are these guys that dress up in like milkman uniforms, I think. And they lead the yells. And you have to like get elected into this position. That is weird. But uh, at midnight before every game day, everyone's invited you're supposed to go as like just a student of the university and then they just do these chants and they practice their little chants their little yells <laughs> that is so funny and uh, it was it was really cool to be at especially because i was i was a few drinks in and it was like <laughs> kind of fun to like participate but also kind of poking a little fun out of it at it but uh, it was a blast but yeah it, it's just like weird like traditiony type stuff that they like hold as important that just from the outside is like what is going on here (laughs) and that's just kind of how like the university is and it's part of it and it's like cool to experience it but i don't think i would ever go to that school (laughs) (laughs) that is cool to have like a little uh, outside experience of it though yeah it was so fun and we were in the third row for the football game right behind the goalpost it was crazy that's awesome. But, uh, we left at halftime because it was so it was raining the whole time and it, it wasn't quite freezing, but it was like a good 38 degrees or so. And at a certain point, it just got miserable. So we stayed till halftime, watched the marching band play, and then dipped out, as did like 90% of the people at the game. There was a oh, video wow. I saw later 
or just like the stadium empty after halftime. But <laughs> crazy. But uh, it was so cool. I, I'm I'm uh, still uh, buzzing from that experience. But now here we are. I'm here for the rest of the week uh, into Thanksgiving, which I hope will be uh, a fun time as well. So. Yay! That's what I've been up to. It's it's been pretty busy. <laughs> I think the most impressive part of that story was the fact that your family can spend like 16 hours in a car together and like not kill each other. He's like, I'm not referring to that experience whatsoever. We vibe out for sure. I've been on a road trip with Evan's family. It's nice and serene. <laughs> Damn, okay. I, I, <laughs> I guess I'm just messing out. I sleep yeah. a lot. That's kind of cute yeah. though, that you all vibe together. Yeah. I can't relate to that. Like, Anyways. On some some road trips with you guys, me and Sarah and you would like all kind of just put our headphones in for longer periods of time and just sort of chill, which was really nice. Because yeah. my family, I guess, is similar to yours, Aubrey. And <laughs> it's like very rude to put in your headphones and do something alone. And you have to be in the family conversation, which very quickly becomes an argument. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, no, no. I yeah. And there's like people like your parents are screaming at each other and your yeah. sister's like crying. And you're just like, we have 14 more hours. Like, how yeah. are we going to do this? Divorce is imminent. And we have not reached our destination. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. It's like emotionally traumatizing. It makes it so you don't go on trips with your family even now. You just find yeah. an excuse to be like, you just take that one alone, boss. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> anyway. Where have we, tu- what, what sort of territory have we turned into here? <laughs> we should talk about the book before um, we go too deep into family issues. Yeah, let, let, let's uh, take a mental road trip to Ithaca, New York. The setting... A Fool on the Hill, a novel by Matt Ruff. <laughs> so let me introduce this one for you. Oh, no, wait, real quick. Sorry, I just re- realized I got to do the World Cup. Oh, yeah. Review, World, World Cup, Cup update. So we're on the second day of the World Cup, just ended. And none of the teams that we like specifically highlighted have played yet. But the United States of America did play. They played this morning. I watched the game. It was quite a roller coaster ride. They drew 1 1 against Wales. They scored first. Everyone went crazy. Nice. They got scored against. Everyone said, aw. <laughs> and it was a tie. <laughs> a hard fought game. And uh, everyone tried their best. Good to see. I think that's all the updates I have for today. Okay, thanks. Did you guys see that video of that Dutch newscaster who got yelled at by? <laughs> yeah. no, it's, it's an absolute. Oh, actually, there there is one point of, of of that I wanted to make about the continuing saga of just wild stuff happening at this World Cup. Uh, Budweiser, a tournament sponsor, was told two days before the game started that uh, they will not be serving beer at any yeah. of the venues the whole time. Because uh, they don't drink alcohol in Qatar, I, I, I suppose. But uh, they're really mad about it. Yeah. So Budweiser has now promised the winning team all of the beer that they allocated for the event, which is <laughs> 75 million euros worth of beer to go to the winning country. What? And also they are suing FIFA for breach of contract. Wow. And that is the coolest thing to me because whoever That's wins. Amazing. Just, rolls up with 75 
million euros worth of beer. But then the question becomes, if if someone like Germany or Belgium wins, who in Germany or Belgium is going to want to drink Budweiser beer? (laughs) It's it's just going to go to waste. (laughs) But... uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm still rooting for the United States, obviously, as a true uh, American. <laughs> but there's something about just like hardcore U.S. national team fans that just is so annoying to me just watching yeah. them all there. Because it seems like no one here cares about soccer uh, throughout the rest of the year. But then every time the World Cup comes around and it's like this with the women's because our women's team is actually good. It's like all sorts of like patriotism. It's like, yeah, beat the hell out of whoever. <laughs> beat the hell out of UMass. That's what the AM Aggies say. And they played UMass. So that was part of the yelling, the yell practice. Oh, I see. They say, beat the hell out of UMass. <laughs> but, anyways, uh, so sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, the United. So, like, I'm still rooting for them, but I'm not super invested in, in how well they do or not. My, uh, my, team that i support internationally is spain still but uh yeah i wanted to make an update that's what's been going on in the world cup i just think the budweiser thing is so funny that is seriously so funny right like (laughs) just anyone like listening if you just look up just different stories at the world cup there's so much weird and funny stuff going on well funny and also like pretty sad stuff going on though that i i I, way too much to to address you know in a podcast such as ours that does not even focus on football or soccer (laughs) however you may call it um but if i encourage you to to do some research into what's what's uh the world cup and i think it's hilarious but uh all right, back back to business. The Fool on the Hill. This is a first edition book that I had bought at the Breckenridge. Uh, I forgot what it was called, but a cool used bookstore in Breckenridge. Definitely a original copy. It has a handwritten note in the front cover, which is what originally attracted me to it. And I'm now going to read the message. This is from January 1990 when this book was, I'm assuming, gifted from uh, one person to another. I'm not going to name names, but it says, uh, face reality, believing in magic. It's all a story, dude, just writing without paper. I saw that in the front cover and I said, this book is intriguing to me. So I went and bought it. <laughs> I and, think I'm going to uh, add that to the collection. I liked that first part. Yeah. Wanted to read it for the book club. And so even though it was quite long, here we are, Fool on the Hill. Yeah. So he wrote this when he was still, I think, just like a grad student um, at Cornell. And this was, oh, no, yeah, no, he wasn't a grad student. This was actually his honors thesis um, from his time at Cornell. And he went on to write several more successful books. He's still a relevant kind of guy. I'm not, you know, caught up with the literary world so i had to look it up but uh yeah so yeah that's that's fool on the hill it came out in in uh 87 i think originally uh 88 was when it was first published 88 published yeah, yeah. okay makes sense because at the end at least in my copy at the end it just says this is cool i don't know if you have this but it says matt ruff it does, uh, yeah okay yours did have, i just think that's cool 85 may 85 to april 87 so 
Being a recently graduated college student, this made me uh, very nostalgic for being in college and uh, the success that Mr. Ruff had while still a college student. So good for him, first of all, yeah. before we get into the book. But uh, what were you guys' overall thoughts on this one? What did we think about it? Aubrey, you go first. Okay. I read an interview with this guy about this book in order to prepare myself. Um, but the one thing that I really enjoyed was that it was a framing story that was done particularly well in that you could really lose yourself inside of the little story. And um, apparently his inspiration for that came from when he was originally writing this. He had a bunch of stories that weren't quite long enough to be novels themselves. And he realized, and this is like an actual quote, he had a talent for stringing together things. Um, and so that's how he came up with the idea of a framing story. So that was one thing I really liked. And then another thing that I liked was that it felt like a modern epic in the true sense of the word and that it was this, you know, year-long journey that it was almost hard to remember how it started mm -hmm. and I liked that a lot and that's that's my initial thought nice Addie what did you think of the song I did not like this so much <laughs> um <laughs> There's things in it that I really liked and really like resonated with. It's long. So there's something in it to pick out and like and attach yourself to, I think. And yeah. there were certainly things that did it for me throughout the book. Um, but I just really didn't like the writing style, which obviously you can't detach yourself from. It's the whole book. It's all written by the same dude in the same voice with the same humor, which I just didn't like. Like it was just annoying to me the entire time and just there were just so many like eye roll lines for me that just really took me out of the story so ultimately I didn't like it but I'm also a person who's so picky about that like I've really never been able to overlook a writing style that I just don't like for whatever reason hmm. so definitely take that like critique with like a grain of salt I did like I don't know. The actual story of it was fun and engaging and really pretty unique. Um, and there were some ideas in it that I really thought were cool that we can get into later. But but overall, not really for me. What about you, Evan? For sure. Um, I adored the first third of this book, maybe, I think. Um, and then kind of as it went on, I grew less and less patient with it, maybe. Yeah. Um, I still liked it overall. I think this is one that uh, that kind of like just holds a special place to me, and I think I can kind of grab things out of it um, and leave others that I, that I wasn't necessarily as pleased with. I think kind of as it went on, it got a little more cheesy and a little more long-winded that yeah. I didn't necessarily like, but I I was so captured by kind of the very beginning of this of how it kind of um takes you know it takes these different story tacks and follows different characters and and weaves them together not where they're all working towards the same thing but you see kind of the the little connections as they play out in, in the same shared world 
mm-hmm. kind of like the magnolia effect i guess yeah something that we've talked about on here a lot but uh and just as we're introduced with character two characters that are just still fit in the real world but it's just something doesn't like something's so vitally quirky about them i really loved and appreciated um and and that helped true throughout it and, and and that's that's the stuff in this book that i really love um and then at a certain point it, it, it kind of got more focused on um having all these lines work towards like one thing and like keep going and connecting towards it um and i think that maybe just wasn't handled it, it was ambitious and I, I just don't think he quite really pulled it off in in a super satisfying way um but there's yeah sorry to to jump back just a little bit there I really like just this idea of there being just all sorts of fantasy and wonder in the world around you. That's just below beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I, I, I love that so much and I, and I grasp onto it. And I, and I think some of this was programmed maybe by like reading that first message mm-hmm. um, too, that, that, that I really latched onto. And then maybe I felt a little betrayed as the book went on where it kind of turned into like, okay, we are telling a fairy tale story that follows this format. And I thought, you know, that it was an interesting concept and cool in the kind of things that I had to say about telling stories and, and breaking things down that way. Um, but I got more and more disengaged with it because it just felt a little like too cheesy too detach from reality i guess the the things that i liked was so much about this book is 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 when it was in touch of like i can apply this to my own life like there's so much wonder just underneath the surface and then it turned to more of a fairy tale that was detached from that like you don't see this happening in your own life and i felt a little saddened by that like even though i you know looking at it objectively there's there's kind of no reason to because it seems that that's really a story he was trying to tell this whole time but for me it just felt like man i would have liked it so much better if it went on this other track um but as far as like the execution of it it just it felt a little bit too i don't know if on the nose is the right word but just maybe like by the books when i think it started off as something really unique and uh, special so I was thinking about whether or not I would call this book on the nose as well when I was trying to think about like what I would say to explain why I don't like it. Mm. Um, and I think I think on the nose is like the right expression, but I don't really know that throughout it. There's so many. Maybe it's more appropriate to say there's like tongue in cheek like comments about it being a book. <laughs> mm. <laughs> But I didn't like any of that. And like, I so fully agree, like the further it gets into the storyline about like all the other characters being written by somebody else and it being a book or it following a fairy tale was like, just like grating to me. And I like totally agree that I wish it just had kept its original charm of like being above that. I don't know. It's it's interesting that both of you mentioned that um, the way it ended wasn't what you had hoped for, because apparently it's based off of the style of a Greek tragedy. And so in a tragedy, the main relationship is between man and God, and usually a spiteful God. 
And basically the innocent man um, commits some wrong and then the world crumbles around him. And typically how it ends is everybody suffers and then that's the ending of the tragedy. And I think Oedipus Rex is a really good example of that because basically everything goes to shit and then they're like, we're done. Um, (laughs) So it's definitely interesting that you both mentioned that it's that the charm that it had and the way that it ended really wasn't the vibe. I thought it was going to end in a completely different way. And so it was kind of a nice surprise to have it be like, oh, yeah. And then he slays the dragon and everything works out. And I was like, oh, oh after. Yeah, I mean, it didn't feel like a Greek tragedy to me ever. Yeah. In reading it, though, to be honest. Except for like all the name dropping. Which I really found exhausting at a certain point. I was like, yeah. I get it, dude. You're referencing the Greeks. They don't <laughs> have to have these names. Well, there was a lot of like different reference systems, though, that I thought yeah. was actually kind of cool. Did you I, like all the Lord of the Rings stuff? I liked that. <laughs> <laughs> kind, kind of. Okay, cool. <laughs> I like Lord of the Rings, so every time like a name from Lord of the Rings that I knew, like I was like, "Oh yay, I know what we're talking about. That's fun." But then I was just also kind of like, "But, but like, wh- what is the purpose? Like, I don't understand why we're pulling from so many existing fantasies in this one." I mean, I, I, just, I don't know. I didn't yeah, like it. I do like appreciate it because I, I thought it, I thought that part was well done. You know, you have all the Shakespeare stuff and then all the Tolkien stuff and all of the Greek original stuff. That's kind of, you know, directly highlighting, uh, like, his references, I guess. Yeah. Which I love as far as, like, sorry, (laughs) I love that as far as, like, movie stuff goes. When it's, like, you watch someone, you're, like, you clearly see what he, what they watched when they were making whatever they were making, you know? Yeah. And so I I, kind of like that. I just don't know how well it was executed at some points, so yeah i didn't think it was executed very well like i thought it was just kind of um i I don't know while i was reading the book i was like this person is just really like kind of showing off like what he's read because a lot of these references i feel like it was just name dropping like it, it was just throwing out these names just for the point of having them in there like a lot of them i just felt like didn't really add anything by doing that to the actual story but after you said it was his thesis i like forgave him for that i don't know why it makes a lot more sense to me if this was like something that was going to be like graded by professors after he got like a lit degree that just makes a lot more sense that he would have to go out of his way to be like and look at the things that i read (laughs) (laughs) that's fine because they're at least with the lord of the Rings stuff like it's pretty accurate reference like you you can tell that he actually read the Lord of the Rings. Right. It's not that I would say that they're inaccurate. It's just that I would say that I didn't feel like they, they brought anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I liked the Lord of the Rings stuff when it was kind of that magical, like the magical house on the hill where you yeah. open up and you're revealed into something greater. But then the more it went on and then the guys who were kind of imitating like the Elven Kings and I was like, no fraternity row would like take you seriously or let you have that nice of a house without like making fun of you to no end. Like I'm so right. sorry. I, I feel the same way. Like I and I like I guess like the idea that I I think like the literature references kind of lend themselves kind of well to the concept that like there's magic all around and there's art all around and like art imitates life and 
and you can write without paper and stuff like that, you know, like it all ties in together and like seeing these like real life examples of these like fantastical books that you read in your real life is a really fun thing to do. And I do that all the time while I read Lord of the Rings, I would constantly be like, oh my God, this thing in my real life is just like the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and it's so fun. And I love doing that. And I'm glad that it seems like Matt Ruff also loves doing that. But like those connections, like you're just saying, like that he made in the book were like pretty inauthentic, which ruined the charm of it to me. Mm. But yeah, it, seemed- I don't know. it was, it was cute when it was like all those little, like walking into a museum that was made of fantasy items. That was cute. And then he was like, and then there's an elevator to this cellar with like a botanical garden that I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> or no, it was, I was on board for that. So oh, sure. okay. <laughs> I think it was, it's like with magical realism, it's it's like just slightly outside the realm of possibility and that's what makes it so fun like in a hundred um yeah in a hundred years of solitude a thousand years of solitude a hundred a hundred years of solitude okay they weren't there for a thousand years we saw the whole thing (laughs) imagine imagine that book just like over a thousand years That'd, That'd be, be crazy. ten times the length. This <laughs> <laughs> is like this thick, you know. But That's I like that, and I think so much because it's it's just it's it's like it's slightly possible. You know what I mean? You could have like a really old woman who's maybe just gonna um, disappear into dust. But with this, it was it was too much. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. I don't think I necessarily feel like this book was ever trying to be like magical realism. I think it pretty much gets into fantasy from the get go. And I think before when I was saying that, like, I like the part where you can still kind of place it in your reality. I don't, I don't think I meant that in like a, in a magical realism sense, because for me, I guess it felt more like creating the wonder out of, out of what you see and get. So I kind of liked it when when they did the the weird Lord of the Rings stuff because it's like you know what if that frat <laughs> house that you've never been to just had a magical garden underneath it you know what if whatever <laughs> else I just because I and what I was saying earlier just the like I adored the first third of this book because I thought all the character introductions and were pretty much, well I was gonna say perfect the the whole like. Uh, fight with the biker gang was weird that was my first was my first notion of like okay really like, <laughs> but i think some of the low-key stuff the the stuff with aurora and her dad mm-hmm. that was funny i adored yeah the stuff introducing saint george stephen titus george i adored the stuff with the dogs and the cats and whatever it's like I just love that way, the way that he like characterizes these people and introduces them. And then maybe just the way that, that the, those characters interacted with each other, not, not just necessarily even with each other, just with inter with the other groups of characters that were introduced, you know, independently. But yeah, I, I don't think I ever like was kind of expecting this one to be magical realism. I was just more on board with the fantasy when it when it didn't play out. I I guess what I'm trying to say is that the problems I had with the fantastical was with the story elements rather than 
the world presented mm-hmm. how how yeah. things like played out yeah, yeah that makes sense yeah i'd agree i really liked the whole um notion that animals have this these like ridiculously complicated lives in the same way that they're characters in our world we're characters to them and it reminded me of two films fantastic mr fox and then isle of dogs which mm-hmm. both center around that but i did i think i enjoyed like luther and blackjack's story the most just because i thought it was so it's just funny and, and whimsical mm. yeah well, this is actually a point I was going to make, and it's not necessarily in line with, with, with your point, but it was just something that I noticed about just the way that this book worked, is that, like, it's portrayal of, like, racism, of, like, actual racism of humans was kind of weird and a little bit annoying to read, but I thought there were, the way that racism um, was, like, depicted through the animals was like incredibly nuanced and well done. And I was <laughs> yes. I was so confused that like he was able to to put it in those terms so well while be- seeming a little tone deaf Dude, when addressing like it. it. Yeah. Between and uh, that's just something that I noticed that was just like really weird because I think it, it is actually like in- incredibly well done as far as the the whole animal storyline is probably like the strongest like as far as like constructed as a whole um and i just thought that was really interesting (laughs) any thoughts on that one do you like do you agree with that with that assessment of it because that came through really strong for me i felt i would agree i would strongly strongly agree um especially with your racism comment because then there's that other storyline that's like the super reductive ah this man what is it ragnarok's father was supposed to be a clansman and then he like rebels and it's very it's, jarring it's, use of the n-word yes. <laughs> <laughs> it just came out of nowhere yeah. i was not expecting that <laughs> and then and it was so reductive too. It was mm-hmm. so cliched, and I knew exactly where it was going from the moment it started. Yeah, like the whole reformed Southerner journeying to journeying to the north, and it's like, all right, all right, that's where you're going. But then the story of Luther and Blackjack, and that whole idea that heaven might be something that you experience during your life in the form of other people. I thought that was a really sweet notion. And I was really freaked out by the evil dog dragon, like especially when he kills the people after they catch him. I think that was much scarier than anything else. Yeah, that's it. That's a fact. No, I I totally agree. (laughs) It was a very unsettling and just kind of like bad representation of racism in this world through the human's eyes but yeah i also liked blackjack blackjack story and luther's story it wasn't my favorite though i think just like aside from like the points being made by each story my personal favorite to read through was probably just george and aurora yeah Um, i don't really know why though but I agree with what you said earlier, Evan, that the scenes between Aurora and her dad are really great and really touching. And that like really got me on board right away. Mm. Um, 
And then I, I didn't like love the way that their love story played out. Um, but it was probably my favorite to keep going back to. And the more I'm thinking about it as I'm saying this out loud and just like rambling on, I think it's because it was like so grounding. Everything else gets really crazy. And like George and Aurora's story obviously like coincides with all of that and blends into it and gets crazy too. But like the relationship between the two of them it was like kind of like an anchor for me throughout the book to be like, oh yeah, here's, let's go back to like the heart of the story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. It was just cute. They're just yeah. cute. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Which is good to see because a lot of the a lot of the uh, bohemian characters are a little too quirky for their own good. For real. Although I love the idea of, of ZZ Top, the Minister of Bad Taste. <laughs> Anything about him just had me chuckling. But uh, yeah, no. I, and the the bohemians in this one were like just a little bit off from me really loving them it's like there's too much weird stuff that like wouldn't even like maybe the i think that to me bothered me a little more about like how do you relate to these people when they're they're just like a little bit like a shade too far away from like anyone that you'd actually see to just kind of take you out of it i think Mm -hmm. Um, yeah i didn't really love it going back to the bohemian storyline i also really didn't like the the like sprites, the wind fairies. That was yeah. It was so boring to me every yeah. time I heard about them. And it's pretty inconsequential. Yeah, for real. When you think about it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I didn't realize fairies. I felt that way until now, but I definitely agree. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> yeah, the whole the rat thing. Oh my I, god! I guess the rat rat battle i was just like skimming i was like what the hell does this rat battle have to do with anything yes yes (laughs) i think i think the only thing that like carried over was of any consequence was the possession like the rats being the portal for dark magic or whatever but like you could have just done that like you could have just you didn't need to bring up ratatouille remy doesn't deserve that And the names for the rats, I was like, the names for the sprites and the rats, I was like, I cannot. I just, it's just a no. You don't like yeah. Shakespeare? I don't like Hobart or Hamlet. We got, we got a Shakespeare hater in here. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I'll throw hands with Will. I don't, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> Beat him up. <laughs> He's probably like my height. I could take that guy. Shakespeare, I could definitely take him. Yeah, not a fan of the sprites and their whole. Like, what was the point? I think yeah. would be my question. Fair, Although yeah. I did like George's like just connection with the wind and that being like an overarching theme that kind of like recurs. I liked that. It, it didn't need to have all the fairy stuff, <laughs> but that was fine. I agree. Yeah, or just have them as like people who can who can witness this. I think I'm just thinking about it more. I think there's a lot of hits and a lot of misses in this book. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is that it was just a little bit too long winded. And, and like you said, Aubrey, uh, at the beginning that it, that it feels like an epic because it really goes to a lot of different places. And, you know, some of it, I liked some of it. I didn't, I think just my, the experience reading it is just as it got closer to the end, it's like, just get on with things already. Cause it was like, kept talking about the Ides of March and it was this, <laughs> and yeah. we're, we're getting this closer and everything's going to happen then. <laughs> and then when it gets there, it, it you know, it, it, it moves 
you know, pretty quickly. And it's like, okay, well, you're building all this anticipation for, for, and like, I don't want to say wasting time, but like you're using all this print, like hyping up this thing that's happening later that I think could be better served by really getting it, making it more about the journey than the destination, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's my biggest flaw for this one. I, I think I didn't, there's pieces that I like better than others, but I didn't really mind any of the pieces like individually. I just think that to stick towards a more central thing and the, like the subplots going off to the sides and just, it, it really added up and started dragging on at a certain mm-hmm. point. And I think that this would be very, would be better served, you know, kind of focusing on, on uh, St. George I agree. And, and having the other stuff supplement that instead of being its own kind of mm-hmm. plots, I think. I really yeah. Especially because you have Luther just showing up and being like their dog, kind of. I think that could have been tied in in a, in a fun way and, and mm-hmm. just kind of just been more central to that. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, like we said, we don't necessarily know why, but we did kind of latch on. I don't know if you agree, Aubrey. You, uh, you can answer in a second, but like, but we <laughs> we latched on to that, and I think that even though we don't necessarily know why, he has something there, you know. So mm. if you stuck with yeah. it more, I think this would be like more uh, well rounded as a whole and uh, yeah. satisfying, I guess. Yeah, I think if that sort of um, touching innocence and and like overarching desire to search for something better in the world and then to be satisfied even when you don't find it was what I found most compelling about Luther. But also I just think it's funny because Blackjack was just, it was such a cat. Like that cat had to be real and he had to act <laughs> like that. As, as somebody who owns a cat, I can confirm. But it was just, he had those kind of, you know, funny one-liners and I liked how built out that world was despite how little time it actually took in the story. But I mean, there was like mm-hmm. the whole idea that there's breedism, like racism, and that like when you go to Cornell as a dog or a cat, you like have things to do and you have questions to answer. And I really liked that it wasn't just, ah, uh, this nice little dog is coming around and <laughs> things. But then it was also disappointing when Luther was only there kind of to just lead George out of dangerous situations, right? Mm. You know what I mean? Like in the boneyard and then at the end with the fire, I felt like there could have been something more there. Man's best friend. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, you got me there. You got me there. <laughs> My favorite parts about this book and the parts that I latched onto the most are definitely around like George's character. Cause I really like the like emphasis on the power of daydreams. The patron saint of daydreams. That's such a good <laughs> epithet, you know? Yeah. Like, that was good. Um, and like, like manifestation and stuff like that's kind of like what, I don't know what writing without paper is or whatever, like this whole idea that he can just go out into his life and kind of shape it with his mind a little bit. I love, I think that that is so fun. And I'm really glad that this book explored that so much. And I loved the part with Calliope. I really thought that that was so fun and cool. Calliope, like the dream woman. Um, 
and this whole idea that she's like so perfect and she's just kind of like there to show George that any woman can be that for him and like based on his perception and she's like now that you've like experienced love and heartbreak even in a daydream you'll be better for it in your real life Mm. and like that's the power of your perception and your imagination and stuff I loved that I thought that that was such a cool addition to this story so there were definitely parts that I will remember and think about very frequently despite even those parts that I loved I still like didn't really like how they were like actually written (laughs) Hmm. what was your guys's take on those like flashback scenes to what's the guy's name is it andrew cornell like at the very start of ezra the cornell ezra? okay like ezra cornell and mr sunshine as a human like just doing things i just didn't understand the point was my thing no well, okay actually this is something that really bugged me just with the whole concept of mr sunshine He's like a storyteller, right? He's he's telling his stories. Storyteller with a capital S. Yeah, that's true. And that, that was cool, actually. I did. <laughs> there's there's a line I underlined, a, a part I underlined that was that was like no storytellers or storytellers, one with the lowercase and one with the capital. Anyways, but uh, you know the whole thing is he's a storyteller. But at the the climax of this one, the the big event. Is made very clear that no one witnesses it <laughs> asleep. And I was just so I just thought that was so antithetical to like the whole idea of the character, especially because like he's written out of the story by saying, Okay, that was a, a hoot and a half, time to get back to work on World War Three. Yeah. And it's like so you the whole book is like setting up Mr. S- Mr. Sunshine setting up the story, and then no one witnesses it. That just that felt so like weird to me. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> I, don't know. And I, was like, I have no answers. As, as soon as as soon as it was like, okay, yeah, the parade did whatever, and then everyone just went to sleep. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, that yeah. that part really just was like, huh? Like just such yeah. a head scratcher. Like just felt like against what was being said. Like the whole point that was being set up through yeah. that kind of overarching thing that I just really didn't understand it at all. It was supposed to be a reference to like Sleeping Beauty and Aurora and how the castle falls asleep with her. Is that what, wait. Yeah, that but I, I just mean more, I just mean more just like in the overarching thing of like, he's a storyteller. Mm-hmm. But he's not telling the story to anyone. It, it just seems like it's for his own amusement, which is like, it just seems against the things about doing this, like that that it, that's reflected through George. It just doesn't, it just didn't sit right with me. It's, it's like, it just seems like against what I was with that it was saying throughout the whole book. It just felt like a, a, a weird turn that rubbed me the wrong way that like just concept of you're telling a story that no one is witnessing and responding to besides yourself. Well, I don't know. I wonder if that's like supposed to tie back into the like daydreaming uh, type of theme that like daydreams are really just for you, but they still have, can have power over your real perception of life. And so like Mm. consequently your real life, you know? So maybe this is all just like Mr. Sunshine's daydream and that's like good enough for him. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a fair point. 
I don't know. It could also be more broadly going back to the Greek tragedy. Matt Roth has said that Mr. Sunshine is supposed to be Apollo. And another name for Apollo that you often see in works evaluating literature is um, God of Instigator. Or God of Instigators, I think. And his whole thing that he like starts shit and doesn't finish it. So I wonder if that was supposed to be some like meta ode to this being a Greek tragedy that just wasn't quite executed well enough. <laughs> well, I think it's fair because it's like, yeah. I think it, it would be a, a, a mislabeling to, to say that this book is a Greek tragedy. <laughs> is that thought going anywhere else? Because there's another point that I was going to make. No, that that was it. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to jump back real quick because we we bashed the portrayal of a, of a racism in the human world, but I, I just wanted to jump back and say that I thought that um, the whole thing with with the the pure breeds and the mutts between the dogs was actually like I thought was was well done at showing you know just different attitudes and the way that you know, a couple more radical people can, can really sway public opinion in some way. And I thought that that was reflected really well in like the Cornell dog section. Cause you see like, you see like the, the one end of it, you know, on their way there and like the very hateful, like whatever. And then I thought it was like really well done and, and, and nuanced so that you see in the, uh, the dog community of, of Ithaca, <laughs> the way that that kind of plays out is that like, you know, like, oh, we're accepting, we're very accepting, but then certain things that happen start to like have different opinions and sway people certain ways, people, <laughs> dogs, um, <laughs> certain ways, but I thought, well, it's just, and I mean, that's the biggest thing that stood out to me as far as that goes is that like, I thought that was really well done in comparison to like when applied to actual humans kind of dropped the ball mm -hmm. didn't didn't do a good take but i thought that, that was well done and and um fit in well with like luther's bigger study of like the meaning of life i don't know yeah i don't know if you guys had anything i just wanted to like reiterate that point because because mm -hmm. i i feel pretty strongly about that one yeah yeah i'm glad you did i think you said it well i don't know yeah i would agree i would agree and I think that whole idea that Luther is coming up against these institutional questions that are asking, like, is somebody better because of their lineage and having to really think about that, his response is in a way very, like, human and very relatable in that, like, it doesn't matter what's inside of you, but rather kind of what you're doing with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and also the whole notion of a university being run by like a senile dog who doesn't know what's going on was extremely accurate and very funny. Um, <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was funny. It was funny. And then like Evan was saying, as the conflict kind of goes grows greater to see those um, factions split on party lines and start kind of regressing into those insults of I don't know. I'm going to call it breedism because I don't know. It's not. Is it racism for dogs? I don't know. It's breedism is what I'm going to call it. 
because that's a very real thing that happens like when you know things get rough or i think especially now as we're seeing political ideologies split into really extreme versions of themselves people are kind of falling back into old patterns of thinking you know i've seen some shit on facebook and twitter it's really questionable out there guys so i do think it was <laughs> it was very well thought out yeah Nice. So I think overall thoughts that we can all agree on. George and Aurora, pretty cool. Pretty good heart to the story. Mm -hmm. Luther and Blackjack, the whole dog animal situation. Very unique. It works great. That should be the heart of the story. Bohemians should be quirky side characters, maybe tone down the quirkiness a little bit, mm -hmm. but maybe not central. The uh, little sprite-looking dudes should be maybe not even exist. If they do exist, just very peripheral. Mm -hmm. And uh, life's just a story, dude. Just writing without words. Mm -hmm. yeah. Face reality, believing in magic. It's all a story, dude. <laughs> I did like the part where he just hated on the fraternity, though, the Rat Pack. That was really funny to read. Because I did enjoy that. And I do, I hate to say it, but I do think that is an accurate portrayal of some frats out there. Full offense. <laughs> it was yeah. funny. It was just, it was just funny. <laughs> Fair, yeah. That's I it. Thought, That's the I thought the, uh, like, the, the violence and stuff was, it was a little uh, caricature, car caricaturized. That took me out of it in some ways. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, I, I think, sorry, just a, just a quick point about that is that like these, uh, these bad frats that you have out there, some places are just like negative influences that, that some frats bring. You know, I, I think that, that the danger in that is less of having a crazy dude <laughs> at the head of the thing and uh, more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this is book is already quite long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't know. But yeah, no, I, I thought that that was uh, an interesting like nuance to add to it, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, quick question before we get into some ratings and final thoughts. Um, did your guys' books have the, the cast of characters at the beginning? Yes. Because I loved that. <laughs> list it of major characters that was adorable. just the way yeah just and like the way that they were like characterized and described also i like totally skipped over this i, I went back and referenced it uh, a bunch uh throughout the beginning of this book is tr to try to get everything in line and i just love how black hats is its own uh section of just <laughs> the whack people <laughs> Um, oh, another quick point that I also want to make is that I thought the humor worked for me in some situations way better than others. You know, Addie, you said that there was a lot of it that was just kind of like took you out of it, maybe like I really yeah. inducing. And I think there was a good amount of that, but there is certain like ways of writing and, and, and the witticisms that I really kind of enjoyed. Oh, good. And I think that's kind of highlighted the stuff that I liked the most was is kind of highlighted by that character list of just the way that the people are described. Yeah. Such as Aurora Borealis Smith, a nonconformist daughter. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. Like, I don't know. There, certain ways that things were put 
I thought were done really clever. And then others were, were also were kind of viral inducing. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing with like the, the rubber maid who comes to life and then the cops that fight. I thought the cops were funny people. Like when introduced, I really liked Natty Hollister, whatever her name was. But then like the rubber maid was just, why? I think that, it's my only question. That seriously wore me out. Like up until yeah. then, I don't know. I was kind of like, I, I was not enjoying the writing and the humor and stuff. And then the introduction of the the mannequin, I was like, "You're done. You're done. <laughs> You're done. You're done. <laughs> I'm over this." <laughs> I don't know because I feel like that whole idea of the mannequin coming to life can be done well and creepily. And yet this was not one of those situations. I was like, this is just, I'm just imagining like, I hate to say it, but like a rubber sex doll, like coming to life. Yeah. And just like running around the college campus. And I, I don't want it. That's yeah. It. That's I, it. yeah. I didn't like any of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, any more like, uh, points to make or should we get into some ratings i do not have any further (laughs) (laughs) nice let's get some uh actually i might start you know what let's mix it up i'll do my rating first for this one because i feel very I, i decided on it pretty strongly before because it is a half rating and in half ratings i have to feel pretty strongly about in order to award in order to award them i'm giving this one a solid three and a half Nice. because I think it fumbled the execution in a number of places, but there's also something that that definitely sticks with me in this book that I'm going to remember it and going to think about it. And I think it will influence kind of my mindset on, on, on a couple of things. Um, and I think that that's powerful in its own way. And the things that I latched onto on this one, I do really like. Um so I can give it a three, but also it's not good enough to give it a four. So it's a solid yeah. three and a half, and I feel quite strongly about it. And uh, overall, I liked it. Nice. And um, just like the, the kind of setup of how how this book came into my life, I appreciate. Mm-hmm. I think I will give it just a normal three. Um, I appreciate a lot of what it did, and I agree that with Evan that it gives you a lot to think about and you like carry into your own life, which is really fun. Um, but yeah, mostly it just kind of really wasn't for me. It wasn't really my cup of tea humor and like writing style wise. I think I'll give it a three as well. Definitely well thought out, well edited, just, just not quite there, but then it's also like a very young author's writing like 21 22 is when he wrote this yeah which is impressive Um, yes yes so not to be too mean about it but yeah probably a three i might have given it a three and a half if it weren't for the rubbermaid but just (laughs) something about the mannequin it was it was just a step too far with the cops it was just it was too much personally so (laughs) three nice nice i think i would all I would recommend this book, though. I think it's cool. I will. I'm. I. I don't know if you would agree with this one, Addy, but I'm curious to see to read other stuff that Matt Ruff has written. I actually am as well. Yeah, I okay. read a couple of reviews of this that were kind of like, 
Uh, when you read Matt Ruff's other stuff, this one's kind of hard to get through because oh, you can tell he's so young and like such an amateur in this one, which intrigued me because I I like the way that he thinks. So I would definitely. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think that, yeah, I would definitely read his other stuff. And I think that there's something that's appealing about this kind of rough way of writing, like less polished way of writing. Yeah. Um, rough yeah. <laughs> oh shit i didn't even think about that, one. that was, <laughs> my senior superlative wasn't best puns for nothing it was that's a joke right <laughs> i wish i wish it was a joke it's true. let's not dwell on this um but there's something that's really cool about is about like just this kind of um way of writing that's just it seems like he wants to do it all like it's shooting for the stars with this one and i really appreciate that even if a lot of it doesn't land and uh, i encourage that um that was just really refreshing and it also made me just really nostalgic for college which is everything has been making me feel that way lately so we'll see we'll see but yeah that's how i feel about it Would you guys recommend this one? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know who I do. Yeah, I think I would recommend it. I think you can get a lot out of this book. So, yeah. I'd agree. I think there's something for everyone here. As as we've seen that you just latch on to some things and you won't like others. Yeah. It's like 500 pages, so... You know, you'll get you'll get like a novel sized amount of what you wanted, basically. Honestly, though, it wasn't like a slow read, even though it's long and dense. And yeah, like no, I, I agree with that. I didn't like. <laughs> I still got through it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I agree. It's. It, I mean, for me, it's just one of those that it's like where. You, it's maybe it might not be like the best thing. Like I'm not going to rate it super highly, but at the same time. I appreciate the effect that it has. And I think that that effect is worthwhile. So mm-hmm. that's why I think, I think, uh, you know, numeric ratings don't always tell the whole story, but uh, I think this is a good example of that. True. Okay. Fool on the Hill. That was book club 20. Book club 21 falls in the lap of Miss Addie Joe. Yay. Do you have any ideas right now? Yeah. I would awesome. like to make you guys read um, my second to last Penguin Orange of the Year with me, if you don't mind, because awesome. I'm running out of time personally, <laughs> and I have to I have to write a thesis, and I have a lot to do. So Two birds I, with one stone. Is this yeah, thing. I want you guys to read something that I was going to read anyway, but it is The Call of Cthulhu and Other Weird Stories by H.P. Lovecraft, which uh, I think will yeah. make for excellent discussion, and we haven't read a short story collection in quite some time. More short stories. So personally, I'm really excited about it. Hell yeah. Sounds awesome. When, if you seek out this book, make sure that you get the version that has and other weird stories and not because you can buy the Call of Cthulhu on its own, Mm. but I want to read the full collection. Yeah. It's like Kafka's Metamorphosis. Mm. That one's packaged separately in some places and sometimes. Yeah. Because that one's quite a long one. (laughs) Awesome. Sounds good. I'm excited. Me too. All right. I'm trying to work in more like short story collections into 
stuff I read. So yeah, me too. I, I have a good time with them. Like I enjoy a short story collection. It's always fun to like get a bigger picture of of someone's yeah. writing without right. the time you need to expend to read multiple novels, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Plus, if you don't like it, it's a lot quicker to get through as opposed to like 500 page books. Yeah, yeah totally. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Nice. All right. Okay, so next week we're gonna do Chinatown. Does that sound good? Yep. I'm excited for that one. I think it'll be cool. It'll be the wrap up to our little noir vember on the pod. Woo! And then beyond that, we have a wrap up and so on. We'll see from there. So we got Chinatown next time, which means all that is left to do for this week is to recommend an album. Addie, do you have an album to recommend? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to recommend an album that I know that I've recommended before, probably around this time last year, because I love it so much and nobody listens to it. And I really want more people to listen to it. But it is The Year of the Spider by Shannon and the Clams, who I love dearly. And I love that album so much. It is a no skips, like perfect album to me. It's so spooky, but also upbeat and fun. It's so perfect for November. And I love it dearly. And I really wish that it got more attention than it did than it does. So please listen to it. It's important to me. Nice. <laughs> Aubrey, do you have an album? I do. I'll, it is the 1982 classic by Bruce Springsteen, Nebraska. Nice. Fantastic stuff. Terrible state, honestly. I gotta be honest. I've not enjoyed <laughs> my time in Nebraska. But the album is great. Um, it's It's got a super cool backstory, too, if you ever look into that. And I would listen to the song called State Trooper. If you only want to listen to one song and there's an iconic line at the end, which is delivering me from nowhere. And that is also in the collection of quotes. So Nebraska, Bruce Springsteen. Nice. Incredible. My album this week is a new release by Miss Wise Blood and in the darkness hearts aglow is the name of the album. I have become the biggest Wise Blood fan <laughs> The side of the Mississippi since the release of her most recent, not most recent anymore, her penultimate, well, no, penultimate doesn't work there either. Uh, her, her 2019 album, Titanic Rising, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful masterpiece, which at least at this point in time is still my favorite. But this new one, And in the Darkness, Hearts and Glow, is a perfect continuation and companion piece in what she has mentioned is the second in a trilogy of albums, including those two and ending with another one, which we'll see down the road, but I think it, it, it works perfectly in tandem with it. And it is so beautiful on its own. And uh, I've been listening to it nonstop since it came out and it is absolutely incredible. And I think everyone should check it out as well as uh, Titanic Rising, if you haven't listened to that one, which I know I've recommended maybe twice already on here. Also. Yeah, I believe so. Probably twice. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing myself, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right, so that is what... I was going to say what we read and watched. It's not It's not that kind of episode. <laughs> that is Book Club 20. We got to get out of here because we're out of time on the Zoom recording. But thank you so much for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with Chinatown. And uh, do great things this week. We believe in you. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll see you next time around. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you. Yeah. (laughs) Bye now.